In this episode, I want to talk about a surprisingly risky behavior that can actually have a pretty negative impact on your life. It can make your life fairly mediocre. What's really unfortunate about it is I think it's something that is fairly common, at least in some cultures, and it's something that we've been told to do. So I want to talk about one thing you can do, one change to achieve things others never will. I'm Larry Cornett, and this is Invincible Life. First thing I want to talk a little bit about is the book that I've been writing. So I know that a number of you are subscribed to my newsletter at newsletter.invinciblelife.me that are following along with the book chapters I've been releasing this year. And I'm overdue for a, a chapter that I want to release because I've, I've been struggling with a, a chapter about confidence. How ironic is that? <laughs> uh, it's not that I'm feeling... Not that I'm lacking confidence to write the chapter about confidence. It's more like I think it kind of spiraled out of control and got too complex and started to become so large that it was feeling almost like a small book all of its own, which wasn't the intent with a chapter in a book. So I rewrote the, the chapter from scratch and I'm making pretty good progress on it. Um, I should be able to wrap that up shortly. So the next podcast episode that you'll hear and the next newsletter you'll read will be that book chapter about building your unshakable confidence. I think it'll be pretty interesting. I've, I find the topic very fascinating. I dive into the psychology of confidence. But today I'm talking a little bit about something a little different, but somewhat related, which is kind of interesting. And I'm wondering how often you've heard people say, Things like, I can't do that. I don't want to get into trouble. I need to make sure it's okay. Let me ask for permission first. And there it is. The one behavior that rule followers, people pleasers, and all around, quote, good kids can't seem to stop doing asking for permission. And I should know. That used to be me. As a firstborn child and an overachiever, I grew up being a rule follower. I wanted people to like me. I wanted to be praised by my parents, my teachers, my coaches. I was the good kid who did what he was supposed to do for a really long time. I got good grades and never got into trouble until <laughs> we moved away to a new town. This was before I started high school, right when I started high school. And we moved to a new town and I started at a new school where I had a rare opportunity to reinvent myself and start over, which you don't often get in life. So I became more of a risk taker and a rule breaker. 
It was quite a change <laughs> for me. And it helped. I had more success in life and definitely more success with my personal relationships. However, old habits die hard. As I moved ahead in my academic life in graduate school and my professional career in Silicon Valley, I slowly but surely fell back into a habit of wanting to make my professors happy, wanting to make my managers happy and satisfied with my performance. Don't we all want to do that? Aren't we all told to do that? Isn't that how you get ahead? I became that people-pleasing good kid again. Yeah, following rules and performing well can help you succeed to a certain extent. I mean, my career wasn't bad. I did pretty well. I got promoted. I moved up into management. I became an executive. But you do hit a ceiling. You'll never reach the highest levels of success if you're the person who waits for permission. Also, being a rule follower and a people pleaser doesn't make for the most exciting and enjoyable life. It really doesn't. The greatest triumphs await those who take the greatest risks. Life becomes a heck of a lot more fun and rewarding when you stop waiting around for permission to live it the way you want. There's a quote from Virgil. You've probably heard it many times. Fortune favors the bold. So what does set successful people apart from the masses? It's easy to think that highly successful people have some hidden advantage that sets them apart from the rest of us. In fact, Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, talks about that. It provides several examples of wildly successful people who had non-obvious advantages. They weren't just smart. They weren't just talented and driven. Although that does help. Sure does. And he looked at people like Bill Gates, who had some pretty hidden advantages. So I'm going to ignore both the obvious and hidden advantages that people like Gates and Sheryl Sandberg, Marissa Meyer, and Elon Musk are, oh boy, boy does he get annoying. All those advantages that propelled their career success. I'm, you know, I'm not so crazy about most of those folks anyway. It's funny how much they were the darlings of media and tech, and then they fall from favor with their behavior. But the number one behavior that most successful people exhibit is easily accessible to you, to me, to absolutely everyone. They don't ask for permission. And by successful people, I don't mean those who get featured on the front page of Times and or Time Magazine, Forbes, Rolling Stone, Sports Illustrated. I don't love that hero worship that happens. I'm talking about the everyday people who are living well. 
and living life on their own terms. I'm sure you know some. I mean, that's something we all should aspire to achieve, being able to live life on your own terms. Some of the successful people that I know have had outstanding success in their careers working for an employer. They work at a company. A few have founded their own companies. Some are entrepreneurs, solopreneurs that spend their days the way they want to. As I've watched all of their careers blossom over the past decades, because I've known some people for a long time, I noticed something. I noticed they don't ask for permission to pursue what they want out of their career in life. I know dozens of these people, but you would think I might know hundreds of people like this after spending over two decades in the tech industry in Silicon Valley. After all, isn't that the birthplace of disruptive innovation, geniuses, creativity? But I don't. I don't know hundreds. I only know dozens. Most of us fall victim to following the rules and assuming that we must wait for permission to pursue bigger goals. And one of my favorite quotes that I've shared before from Thoreau, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. And there are a ton of rules and filters, barriers and guards and gatekeepers that block a lot of us from achieving what we want. I mean, the barriers are in place to make the status quo easier to maintain. People like routine. They like the familiar. They don't like change, stress, and unnecessary work. So a gatekeeper's default answer is no, because it makes their lives easier. It's easy to say no. It's easy to not do something. And therein lies the inherent weakness of the ask for permission model, you will often hear no. You will especially be told no if you are seeking a stretch goal, or if you don't fit the perfect image of what an easy yes is for them. That's why most recruiters and hiring managers overlook exceptional talent that doesn't match their simple checkbox list that list of requirements that you'll see. It's like, oh, you don't have this degree? Okay, you're a no. Oh, you haven't worked for one of the the fang companies? You're a no. Success in your life and your career requires that you sometimes bend or even break the rules. And it wasn't always easy for me to do this. I was your typical firstborn child. I always felt older than my age, which made me believe I should be more responsible follow the rules. I wanted to please my parents, my teachers, my coaches. I was a straight A student. I took part in all the science fairs and spelling bees. I put my head down. I did what I was told in the military. I cranked on college and graduate school to get those degrees. You know, that PhD in psychology that I thought was so important. And I don't regret getting it but I don't think it was as necessary 
as I thought it was at the time. I was in for a few surprises, a few discoveries throughout my life, especially during my education. I also found that playing by the rules may help you meet expectations in your job, but you must break a few rules to slip past the usual barricades if you want your career to skyrocket, if you want to take your life to all new heights. I'll share a few examples. I'll share, here's an example where I I broke a rule. (laughs) I, I don't know how to type. I should clarify that. I I never took a formal typing class. I'm self-taught. And that may sound kind of funny to the younger folks listening to this. But remember, we didn't grow up with computers. Heck, most of us didn't even have a typewriter at home. Typewriter? What am I, Rockefeller? My first exposure to a QWERTY keyboard was an Apple IIe in a basic programming class in high school. I wasn't supposed to be there. I wasn't supposed to be in that class. The rule was that you took a typing class for a semester. You had to take that first on an electric typewriter. I think they were the old IBM ball selectrics or whatever. At least they were electric. You had to take that first and only later could you take the basic class but I jumped the queue. I remember hiding it from the teacher when she would occasionally walk around the computer room. It's this tiny little computer room. And she mostly sat in her other classroom, the typing class, getting caught up on her work. So I could hide it pretty well. However, one day she caught me, quote, programming the way I programmed. I would write my code by hand with pencil and paper. And I'd have line spaces between the numbered lines, you know, in increments of 10 for your your basic code, 10, 20, 30, so that I could insert code if I had to and make changes. I would run the code in my head. I'd read through it on paper to make sure the logic worked. And I would erase bugs and I'd rewrite code. She caught me. (laughs) One day she caught me doing it. And she was furious. She said, what are you doing? You can't type? Because everyone else was writing their code on the computer directly. I explained why, and she almost kicked me out of class. She almost kicked me out. But she said she'd let me stay if I could keep up with the homework and test. But in a short time, I actually ended up being the best programmer in class. I was. I'm not trying to brag. It's not really impressive. I think there were six of us. (laughs) I ended up being a really good programmer, and she never mentioned it again. As soon as she saw my code, because I would transfer it to the computer. It took me forever to type it. But when I did, it worked. It worked the very first time because I'd already worked through all the logic and fixed bugs on paper. So she never brought it up again. I mean, unbeknownst to me at the time, this planted the seeds for my journey into the world of tech much later in my life. If I had asked for permission to join that basic class, the gatekeeper would have denied me. She wouldn't have let me take that class. And I may never have worked in tech. So I had to break that rule. 
In another example, I had to slip past a barrier, a pretty common barrier. So I have never had any formal design training. Yet I became a designer, software designer, with a career that started at IBM. I was a designer at Apple, eBay, Yahoo. I was a designer at several tech startups. Not only did I not have design training, I only took a couple of art classes in high school. I think I had an, an art history course in college, which wasn't very artistic. So I, I had to teach myself. I taught myself so I could slip past that barrier and become a designer. I mean, I've always been artistic. I've been sketching and drawing. I love creating art. I started doing that at a very young age. But it was only in graduate school that I started designing software. I was designing interfaces for my own needs. I used HyperCard. If any of you listening remember good old HyperCard. I love HyperCard. But I was using that for my psychology research. And using it to run statistics. Capture data. I even taught a course in HyperCard and HyperTalk, the language, to professors and other graduate students. I remember voraciously reading Danny Goodman's HyperCard book from cover to cover. I love that book. I still have it. I taught myself. And I'm sure it was partially my degree, my prototyping skills, thank you HyperCard, and my network that got me in the doors at, at, at IBM and Apple. I was connected to people there. But I had to devour every book I could on software design, read all of the Apple technical library books, learn fast, and I improved myself. I had to prove myself as a designer. But the thing that I didn't do was wait and ask for permission to be a designer. I taught myself to be a designer. And then the uh, final example was dodging a gatekeeper, the usual gatekeeper that many of us encounter in our careers. So I have a PhD in psychology, as I mentioned, but I don't have an MBA. No business degree. So how did I become the VP of consumer products for Yahoo Search? How did I become a product leader? I had no formal experience as a product manager or an MBA. I mean, I had dabbled in product management while I was working at eBay. Got lucky in a strange way, if you call it lucky. I was working on a big project. Let's see. I was the lead designer and I was working with a product manager, PM, who was running it. It's pretty complex, but it was going well. It was going well until the PM got called for jury duty. So she was going to be out for weeks or months. Everyone else in the, the product org was booked solid. So the PM's manager, I think a uh, director, asked if I could just run the project and get it launched, don't take over. I said, yes. And I finished writing the PRD, the product requirements doc. I worked with engineering and we launched the product successfully. It probably helped that I had hands-on product experience. And I'm kind of that weird hybrid designer who understands product management. I like analytics and statistics. I dabbled in some engineering and, you know, I've done some development. 
so I could talk the talk and walk the walk a little bit and learn, <laughs> learned more as I stumbled. But I didn't wait for someone to ask me to be the head of product for Yahoo Search. No one was going to ask me. I was running design and believe me, nobody came to me and said, Hey, do you want to take over product when our VP left? But I didn't let my lack of an MBA or any sort of product management title hold me back. I saw an opportunity and I went for it before I had anyone's permission. I basically said yes and then figured out how I was going to do the job later. So I look back on my life and I look at other people's lives and I see a pattern of why some of it worked out well, pretty well. I set my sights on a goal and then I identified the gaps in my knowledge and my skills, the things I needed to do to pursue that goal. I worked hard to teach myself what I needed to know. I didn't wait for someone to teach me. I didn't wait until I learned everything. I quickly seized an opportunity when it presented itself. You can't wait. You just can't wait. I said yes first and then figured things out later. I think Richard Branson says that there's a quote, say yes, and then figure out how you're going to do it. I didn't ask for permission to be who and what I wanted to become. Cause a lot of people will tell you, no, they'll tell you, you can't do it. Now, did this strategy succeed 100% of the time? No, of course not. <laughs> I've had my share of failures. Uh, I've overreached. I've had setbacks. But if you never even go for it, your odds of success are 0%. If you don't even try, you've already failed. Uh, by the way, if you want to read more about this and some of the links to the books I've mentioned and articles and some of the successful people that I'm talking about. You can go to newsletter.invinciblelife.me. This is this surprisingly risky behavior actually makes for a sadly mediocre life. Issue 12. Um, yeah. It's been interesting. It has been interesting. I meet so many people who are waiting before they, they feel like they can pursue a dream goal. They say they need a specialized degree. A lot of people, I have to get an MBA first. I can't do that. They say they need a specific certification. I've got to get certified so that people will hire me to do that or let me do that. Or they need permission from a professor or a parent or a boss or some other authority figure of some sort. No, you don't. You do not need their permission. Some of the best developers, designers, and product managers I've hired for my teams over the years have been self-taught. I didn't care about their degrees or certifications. They showed that they were smart, ambitious, and could do great work. They taught themselves how to program. They taught themselves how to design. They learned on the job how to become a product manager. They didn't get an MBA. 
there is a long history of people who didn't need someone's approval or a certification to pursue their calling. This is a fairly, maybe it's not so modern. It's been around for a while, but this whole idea that you need a specific degree or a lot of permission to do what you're going to do. I guess there's always been people trying to stop you from doing what you want to do. I have a few examples. I'm not going to share them because I'm telling you copy them or try to become them or follow their path. They're just some recognizable names that they've been successful and they didn't let traditional barriers stand in their way. And maybe you didn't know that some of them didn't have a traditional path. Uh, for example, the world famous author, Ray Bradbury never went to college. He's a self-taught writer, love him or hate him. He achieved incredible success. He's one of the best known science fiction writers that ever lived. Suzanne Valadon was a self-taught artist. She was not somebody who went to art school. David Bowie taught himself to play many, many different musical instruments. Taught himself. Jan Jacobs wrote books about city planning, economics, and sociology with only a high school degree. Frank Lloyd Wright, you may have heard of him, <laughs> did not have a degree in architecture. Vera Wang had a great job, took a huge risk, left it, and launched her business, and you may have heard of her, when she was 40 years old. When people are like, are you crazy? Buckminster Fuller was expelled from Harvard twice. <laughs> they kicked him out. Toni Morrison, you may have heard of her, didn't wait for someone's permission to tell her she could be a writer. She didn't stick around and say, wow, let me know when you think I'm good enough to write. And I mentioned Richard Branson, and maybe you know this, maybe you don't. He's dyslexic. He dropped out of high school. One of the greatest entrepreneurs in the world. If you want something, if you want to achieve something, if you want to pursue something, find a way to get it. Find a way to do it. Find a different path that isn't blocked by rules and regulations. Come in through the side door. Slip in through the back door if you have to. Walk past all the locks and bolts and guards they've put on the front door. Leverage all of your unfair advantages. Stop playing by the rules. So what is the one change you need to make to achieve things others never will? Stop waiting for permission. If you have the time, just take a couple minutes. You can leave a rating and review on the Apple Podcast or Spotify or whatever player it is you use. I'd really appreciate that. Until next time, I wish you the best of luck with pursuing the life of your dreams so you can be happier, healthier, and more fulfilled. <laughs>